Welcome, welcome, welcome to Barnes University Radio. Um, today's episode will entail a breakdown of all of the Titans' offseason moves. Um, it was brought to my attention that uh, back in free agency, once free agency had subsided, I took a stance to where I said that the stars aligned for the Titans. Um, certainly, you know, that brass did their work, did their due diligence. Um, but a lot of those selections were past relationships or a lot of those signings, I should say, were, you know, timing like the Adam, Adam Humphrey signing. Obviously, John Robinson and Humphreys have a past together. Cameron Wake, uh, obviously, you know, our current defensive line coach, Terrell Williams, uh, Terrell Williams uh, coached him in Miami. And then you got uh, Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill, who is, uh, you know, friends with Cameron Wake. Then you got, you know, uh, Roger Saffold, who is familiar with this offensive scheme due to his connection with Matt LaFleur and the Rams and stuff like that. Obviously, Roger Saffold would fit in any zone scheme. But, you know, just having that connection and that kind of, um, solidarity there. Um, obviously you have to do your work as a pro scouting staff, but from the standpoint of all these guys have a relationship and that's not always the case in free agency. So let's not say that we know that relationships, this is a relationship business relationships make the world go round, but it's not always the case in NFL free agency, but it was for the Titans this past off season. Then the draft, I even mentioned in in the podcast way back in March that, you know, drafting isn't, you know, about relationships. You don't have a a past relationships. You just pick, you know, your BPA, best player available, BPAN, best player available at need. Or, you know, it's just how the board stacks up, you know, how the board uh, plays out. And, you know, I said, let's see how he drafts. And then the Titans went out and then had one of the better drafts of their history as well. And I will say that with this draft, it's one of the more parody field drafts that I've been a part of, that I've scouted. I scouted over, you know, this is redundant, 400 plus prospects. And to me, the team that had the best draft and the team that had the worst draft, yes, there's a discrepancy there. Yes, there's a vast majority of uh, distance there. But the middle of the pack and the top isn't that far off. And I feel like maybe it's because I know so many more players this year or I don't know what it is. I just feel like it's good for NFL drama. It's going to be good for the NFL because I feel like at least 18 to 20 teams had decent drafts, not best drafts. There's only about eight. The top eight had, you know, knocked it out the park. But in terms of those that between eight and 20, they still got solid pieces and then when you paired with their free agency, they did a solid job overall. And today, and, and for those that, you know, you're not picking up on the lingo parody. Parody just means that there was a lot of um, prospects that weren't far apart. For instance, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and A.J. Brown, to me, as talents, wasn't that far apart. And you can see by their, their pick discrepancy. Or, or, or distance or separation from each other. I think there were six picks apart, it, you know, and you can say that a six round pick in Kelvin Harmon wasn't that far from, you know, 
Andy Isabella or even like we mentioned uh, before, Hakeem Butler. But yet he was taken in the sixth round, Butler in the fourth. These other guys I mentioned in the second, like it happens every draft. But to me, more so across a broad spectrum, if you will. And I'm not going to say that as an excuse because you got to put in the work. The Titan scouting staff did. They absolutely knocked it out the park. You have to put in the work in order to position yourself, you know, and have your board stacked up correctly to select these players. You know, so they did that. But it was a very parody field draft. And now it just comes down to how good of a team builder you are, how good of coach, how good of a coaching staff you have. And then moving forward from there, um, I'm incredibly impressed with what the Titans have done. Like I said, I've already said their offseason was top five in Titans history. The draft is a top five in Titans history. And I know that, you know, it's it, it is um, duly noted in common sense. And, you know, you know what you're supposed to say, you know, these guys haven't, you know, put on the pads yet. They haven't stepped on the field. But, you know, I have a good um, inkling. I have a good um, idea that these guys will mesh well and if without further ado five minutes into the podcast let's start talking about from top to bottom what they did how these guys fit for that fan that talked that that mentioned in my previous podcast that I didn't mention how they would fit because I understand fans don't have that knowledge I I take it I don't take it for granted but I have my intention of a podcast and I get out my intention now this is for you guys you know so Starting off with the Roger Saffold uh, signing, which I think is probably one of the more statement signings, um, you know, as I already stated before, early in the process, before they signed him, if they did, Roger Saffold is a guy that's going to start at left guard for your Tennessee Titans, and he's going to be able to set a tone. He's going to be able to set a tone, um, you know, blocking in the run game and protecting Marcus Mariota or whatever quarterback is back there. I mean, he's an uh, incredibly strong, physical man uh, that fits perfectly in the zone scheme, has great movement skills for his size, um, can move to the to the next level. And what I mean by that, he can tackle his guy on the line of scrimmage and then move forward to tackle you know linebackers and safeties or whatnot, whoever comes into his path. He's just a strong left guard and probably one of our already – you know, just from a skill set standpoint, like I said, they haven't played yet, but he he's in the mode of like, you know, for the Titans fans that know the Benji Olsons of the world, the pillar, the Zach pillars of the world, you know, uh, the Jake Scott better than, you know, I think he's better than Jake Scott, but it just turned, we're getting back to that, that offensive line that we were, we were so proud of years ago. Um, then I'll go to Adams Humphreys signing that, you know, obviously I liked as well as well documented. Um, I think that, First of all, the depiction of Adam Humphreys is just one of those guys. You hear his name every now and again, you know, uh, and then you just think he's the, you know, you know, to put it frankly, the the average white receiver that's slow, that wins with effort, isn't very athletic, you know, um, and, and stuff like that. You know, that's the mindset of most people. But then when you start doing the deep dive and actually looking at this prospect, you see Adam's Humphrey, Adam Humphreys excuse me, as a player that is very similar. And, and, you know, we always like to do this comps, but he's very similar to a um, Julian Edelman, you know, Edelman. And, you know, obviously not from the personality standpoint, Edelman is more outgoing, but 
as a player, the toughness, the physicality, the willingness to block, the willingness to uh, catch over the middle, um, make contested catches, play on the outside and the inside proficiently. Um, great set of hands, dependable, reliable. You know, he's an all-around player that is so needed in the offense that uh, has a quarterback like Marcus Mariota. Mariota, a very see-it-throw-it type of prospect that needs clearly defined throws in order to prosper at this point of his career. So Adam, Adam Humphreys comes in as not only a safety valve for Marcus Mariota, but a game changer in terms of run after the catch and using those strong hands uh, to make plays down the field. So it's an A-plus signing for me. Um, and I don't even care about the number. I think that that's just how the market played out. I think he's a, a a player that is deserving of his contract for those that think he got paid too much. I think is right on par. And I think he'll be great, you know. Um, then you look at the Cameron Wake signing, another signing that I had said right before they actually signed him that made sense to get a guy that, that'll be on a John Abraham, Dwight Freeney, one-year deal type. And what I mean by that, if you don't know, for the longest, Dwight Freeney and Jonathan Abram would sign one-year deals just to be pass rush specialists on certain clubs. And I think that's what Cameron Wake, you know, provides for the Titans. He's on a one-year deal. He's a pass rush specialist. A lot of people have disdain for the number for him just to come in as a role player. But I think he there's a possibility that he could certainly start and play, you know, all those downs. But I think if you're smart at his age, you want to save him for the back half of the season. Watch his snaps. Have a young guy play a little bit higher snaps earlier, uh, first half of the season. Bring Wake in when you really need him the most. But yes, you do pay. He his 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 body of work, um, you know, gives him that right. You know that's why you play the game. You build up a body of work. Um, and, and with his mindset, you don't see him, a guy's taking the money and running. He's going to be that same player, um, you know, barring injury. And he's going to be able to be on third downs as a defensive end and pass rush and, um, and be able to get to the quarterback at a high rate, even at his age. Now, as an outside linebacker, do you really want him in coverage and having to cover people and having to read and react? Not so much. But as that speed rusher, like I said, that's the guy that you want. And no doubt about it, Cameron Wake is still top 10 in this business. Believe that. And then, you know, re-signing Kenny Vaccaro, I think that that was um, incredibly instrumental um, for Dean Pease. You know, being the chess master, you know, being the, uh, you know, the, 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 the brain, the mind behind how this defense works. A lot of people don't know the Titans run a lot of uh, disguised coverages, a lot of defensive back blitzes. So I think having someone be um, on that defense that's already been in it, you know, from training camp till now, and then he gets a full offseason talking about Vaccaro, you know, to be that interchangeable safety with um, Kevin Byard, um, which, you know, is funny because with Vaccaro, I had mentioned, you know, during the fall, and this these are on previous podcasts as well, that I mentioned him uh, trying to describe – his growth from basically the Saints to the Titans. And I mentioned him um, being in the slot, I mean, being in the box here and being so good in the box. And he decided to quote tweet me and say and said that he's literally not in the box as much as he was um, with the Saints. 
And I don't know if that was a chastisement or whatnot, but my stats say that 41% of the time he's near the line of scrimmage or in the box, whether it's versus the run uh, or something like that. So that only leaves that only leaves 50, uh, 59%, if I'm not mistaken, of, of him actually being in the coverage role. So I, I would I would say that that, you know, that's five to nine spots higher than being 50 50. So from my standpoint, I think Vaccaro is what you would call a box safety and Vaccaro uh, and Kevin Byard is the post safety. I mean, I don't I don't think anybody will consider Vaccaro a free safety. But like I said, resigning him was instrumental because he can he's inter, he's interchangeable in the sense that he has just enough to cover, not not the cover skills of Bayard, but he certainly can do that. And I think that his ability to play in the box is what got him re-signed, whether he likes it or not or whoever else likes it or not. You know, and I say that in jest, but I, like I said, if I had him re-signed, you know, obviously, you know, I think that he's a solid player and he fits well with this Dean P scheme. Um, Titans re-signed David Fluellen and re-signed Kevin Panfield, which I think was kind of smart. Give Panfield another another shot to prove himself at that guard or swing man position. I think Fluellen is a special teams running back that every now and again can can run the rock uh, proficiently. Um, and then the Titans traded for Ryan Tannehill, and he's a quarterback that um, I've watched from afar. And, you know, he's the type of quarterback that you watch and then you say, oh, he did this. He did good this week. And then the next week he might be, you know, off or he gets injured. So the the ebbs and flows of being the t- Ryan Tannehill uh, observer is definitely uh, a real thing, you know. And, you know, I think as a player, I think that he has a, 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 a good stroke. And what I mean by that, Good arm motion, good accuracy. Um, I believe that he's a he's a solid leader. Um, a little bit abrasive or, or or confrontational, but I don't mind that at all. I'm not, you know, I have thicker skin than that. Um, and I think that Titans fans will see that if he's here long enough that he's a different type of leader than what we have in place right now with Marcus Mariota. I, I think that when fans get to see practice. And when he gets to talk to, uh, you know, the media, you'll see that more than ever. But um, I think the move in general was a move that, you know, kind of is in a way it's next level. Because what you did was you got a veteran quarterback um, to back up. There's there's obviously a con to this. There's there's pros and cons to most moves. But there's a a 60-40 pro to con thing with Ryan Tannehill. And here it is. You get Ryan Tannehill from a division from who's probably going to be your biggest, you know, um, you know, your biggest threat to get into a Super Bowl. You come from the AFC East, which have the, the reigning champions, uh, New England Patriots. You get intel. Ryan Tannehill, if I'm not mistaken, has defeated the New England, New England Patriots several, uh, several times. I have to fact check that, but I think Ryan Tannehill out of all the AFC East over the past few years have beaten the Patriots probably more times than not, including the Buffalo Bills every now and again. And, that, and you know, it's a division, so we expect that. But he has intel on AFC East, not like we need it because we beat him last year. Um, but you get a quarterback that's, that can be mobile. I hope his injuries are behind him just from a, just being a human. Um, 
but you get a guy that's just experienced. Um, his turnover to interception ratio is uh, is plus, so that's good. And you get a great leader. Now the con is you get another quarterback that is often injured. That's what I don't like. You get another quarterback that you know is I'm not gonna say you hell I say it, Mister Glass to some to some degree. You get another quarterback that. Okay, if Marcus Mariota goes down, Lord forbid, you get a guy in there that doesn't have a, uh, you know, isn't the most attrition uh, warrior as well. So it's like you better have a damn good third quarterback that doesn't get hurt. Right. So that should be the contingency. Or you should have, you know, some of the guys like I thought and mentioned, you know, where I think actually getting a veteran probably is a better move than trying to get a young guy. But don't discredit some of the young guys that I mentioned in my offseason game plan in March. Guys like Kyle Sloter from the Vikings, who continually gets put in that third quarterback position, but he's actually a good player. Go check out his highlights. Look, guys like Mason Rudolph, who could be sick and tired of the drama with the Pittsburgh Steelers and and you know, you know, with Ben Rock Roethlisberger wanting to play three plus more years or something like that, Mason Rudolph isn't gonna want to sit for that long. Trust me. Uh, the competitor that he is, he's not. Then you got guys like Tim Boyle in, with the Packers. We now have a newfound relationship with the Packers due to Matt LaFleur leaving. So if he doesn't value Tim Boyle there, Tim Boyle is a, a solid third uh, third quarterback that could surprise. And then, you, you know, obviously around the league, there's guys that you like. But those are some of the guys that I mentioned that I really like. The Tim Boyles of the world, Mason Rudolph. Kyle Sloter. Um, I think those that those are guys that are sleepers that you will see their name, hear their name at some point in the future and be like, wow, Charles talked about those guys in a in a in a in a uh, glowing manner. Um, so you got to have a good third quarterback in mind. Logan Logan Woodside is somebody I mentioned as the Titans bring him back. They did. Um, I think that he's a, a a good project. I mean, I think that he has a good arm, good intentions, good pocket presence. His pocket presence is 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 very uh, is on the level of I'm not going to say a veteran, but his 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 dropbacks, his footwork within the pocket, his uh pocket uh manipulation if you will is very good for a young player and all he needs to do is just make better decisions and 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 get into an offense where he can really just, you know, um dig his claws into there and make it his own. And once he does that, I think Logan Woodside will be a solid backup player. So I think they have a solid third right now, but those contingencies that I mentioned early earlier is important. Now this second part of the, the podcast, um, I'm not so sure that most people will um, stick to the whole, you know, this, if I finish the draft process, it's probably going to be a 30 minute video. So what I'm going to do is stop it here and restart it and come with another episode, um, talking about their draft class. So this was the free agency. So for the, for the fans that said I didn't do enough and talk in terms of how they fit in their projection moving forward with this Tennessee Titans team, there you go for the, uh, free agents, if I missed anybody, I, I don't, I'm not. Sh- I don't think I did. Um, so I'm gonna restart it and, and start from um, the free the, the draftees. So thanks for tuning in. Next episode we'll be talking about the draftees. So.
Tell me what you think about this one. Share, like, whatnot. Barnes University. God bless.